This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. When I was working with a youth group in Texas, we had uh, a wonderful youth sponsor. He was in his 30s, humble man, one of the nicest guys you would ever meet. And he was, like I said, in his 30s and single. So it became a youth group project. We need to get this guy uh, not only a wife, but let's start with a date. Let's get things started off here. Uh, right. And there was one particular youth sponsor that we knew. It was obvious to us all that he had a crush on her. And I remember distinctly us having a dinner together. And uh, this man, his name was Manuel. And we began to bring up the subject. And we said, hey, Manuel, why don't you ask out? I won't name the name of the lady, uh, but why don't we ask out uh, for sake of a name, Jill? Uh, and yeah, why don't you do that? And, and we were all just kind of encouraging him, and that was uh, the topic of conversation. Now I'll never forget what he said. Uh, he said something that you've heard before because it's kind of a com- conversation ender. There he said, "I'm waiting on the Lord." So we heard that, like, okay, we're waiting on the Lord, and that kind of ended the subject. But there was a sixth grader sitting there at the table, and he said the most wise statement. He said, Manuel, is the Lord going to make the first move? And I thought, what a brilliant, brilliant statement. And a lot of times in our lives, we're kind of the same way. Is We want to see God do something great. And we'll say, well, we're waiting on the Lord, but maybe the Lord is waiting on us to make the first move. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. And before you feel too bad about Manuel, uh, he is married now. And this is Facebook confirmed at 6 a.m. this morning. I went in there just to double check. and He's still married. So, you know, Facebook does have a purpose. It just verifies things. We're going to look at the story that when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he actually probably fed about 15 to 20,000 because he fed 5,000 men. And it's just a a wonderful story. But I I want us to see how in this story it illustrates how God wants to take us and he wants to take our compassion and he wants to turn it into a miracle. So starting in verse 39 of of Mark, or excuse me, verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. And so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year wages. Are we going to are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. 
So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. And here's the miracle, verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Isn't it interesting that, you know, Jesus didn't leave any doubt about this miracle because they all ate. They were all satisfied. And in fact, there were 12 baskets left over. Uh, You know, maybe he wanted to make sure there was one basket that every disciple had to carry so that they would remember this miracle. And, you know, miracles, when they happen, uh, it's always the unexpected. I mean, for God to take five pieces of bread and two fish and to feed 5,000 men, I mean, who could have predicted that? Who could have expected that? And in our life, miracles happen. And I love hearing the stories about miracles. And even though they're instantaneous in the result, and, and when we are aware of them, we're like, how did this happen? One thing I want you to see from this passage is that God is, is in a process of bringing the miracle about. So when we see the miracle and we experience the miracle, what is so powerful about his grace and his work is that the miracle has been in the work. The miracle has already been happening. And when I think about your life, I think about what God wants to do through you. Because God doesn't want you to simply watch me or watch other leaders of this church. He really desires to use you. In fact, he designed you to be used. He has a plan for you. And it all starts, it all starts with your heart. It all starts with being sensitive. And there's something that is very valuable to us to maintain our humanity. It's the ability to empathize or to sympathize, where we can feel what others are feeling. And so we, we see that lots of, of rural Louisiana is being flooded, and, and we think, wow, could you imagine our neighborhood being under 20 feet of water? Or we see tornadoes in Alabama, or we, we, hear, we, we see the result of the tsunami in Japan. And to keep our hearts sensitive, we, we, we have to empathize. We have to sympathize. We, we have to put ourselves in their place and be, man, I, I couldn't imagine going through that. And so when you turn that part of yourself off, that's a bad thing. And it's easy to do because, you know, we are just exposed to need all the time. Everywhere we look, there's need, need, need. You turn on the news in the morning. You check your Facebook. You check your email. Need, need, need all around us, especially these last probably seven or eight years. It's just been just incredible, the amount of natural disasters. I mean, you start to, if you really start to think of just that one category, natural disasters, I'm going to say some words, and as I say them, you're going to have all types of images return to your mind. Tsunami, earthquake, tornado, hurricane. All of these have been part of our, our awareness, and, and, and if, if we're not careful, we'll get what fundraisers call donor fatigue, where it's like, oh, another crisis, I've got to give again. Or, and that which... 
that which should touch our hearts, we, we just ignore. And, and it's no longer a part of us. And so it all starts with the first word I want you to write down on the back of your, your bulletin. It all starts with compassion. Compassion. Write that down. Mark six thirty four. if we look in the scripture, it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. That's the start of the miracle. The start of the miracle is when your heart is sensitive. But I have to be clear about something. There's a big difference between empathy and sympathy and compassion. Because compassion is when you have sympathy enough for people that you actually do something about it. Compassion is when you give legs and feet to your feeling. And that's what Jesus had. Every time, many, many of the times that Jesus performed miracles, the Bible makes us aware of the compassion he had before then. Because he simply didn't just feel bad for people. He really did something about it. And that's the starting place for us is even before this point, we we have to start in the hearts. We have to keep our hearts sensitive. But beyond that, we have to say, I am going to move just from feeling bad about somebody or feeling bad about a situation to where I really care, care enough to do something about it. As I was driving on the property this morning, uh, uh, this is a good time for me to time drop. As I was driving early, early this morning, have you ever heard of time droppers? You know, there's name droppers. Like I was having lunch with someone famous, but time droppers, which I've been accused of being before. Okay, I'm being accused right now. At 4 a.m. as I was interceding for you this morning. Uh, but for the sake of the story, no one was here at the church, and I arrived. And as I was pulling in, uh, pride is all over me right now. As I was pulling in, uh, in my peripheral vision, I, I thought I saw or did see uh, a piece of trash at the front of the building. So I began to drive up the hill, and as I drive up, up the little hill that you came up this morning uh, to come into the parking lot, I, I begin to rationalize away that piece of trash and think, I didn't, did I really see that piece of trash? And, and for a few seconds there, I convinced myself I didn't really see that trash. I was kind of going fast as I turned into the driveway, and it was in my vision. And, uh, but before long, I accepted the fact that there was a piece of trash. And once I accepted the piece of trash, then, then I started to justify not turning my car around. Because I started thinking of our lawn care team. who We have a team that volunteers to mow the yard and take care of our grounds. And Jason Ashworth, who leads that, actually mows the, the front part of the property this way every, every, every week. And so I started thinking, well, that's Jason's responsibility. And Jason's going to be here this morning. And I know once Jason pulls in the driveway, if he sees that piece of trash, he'll get it. Because, see, I'm the man. I'm preaching today. And I don't need to bother myself with uh, picking up trash. Um, and, and that's other people's responsibility. Well, just to let you know that my heart isn't completely hard, I did turn around and I picked up the trash and I saw there was more trash in the ditches also. Uh, and we took care of that. Why? Because it was my responsibility. And that's the second word I want you to write down. Because it's not enough just to have compassion unless you take responsibility for the compassion you have. And that's why there's an amazing line that you might overlook if you're looking at this passage. But uh, it, it is in, if I can find it there, verse 37. 
In verse 37, you know, the, the disciples had come to him almost out of irritation and said, Hey, Jesus, these people, they need to go back and they're hungry and we don't have money. And you almost imagine an irritation in them because they were supposed to be alone with Jesus. But all the people had run ahead of them. And look what Jesus says in verse 37. He said, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You take responsibility. You do something about it. And see, one of the temptations that we have, especially for those of us with with very sympathetic hearts, is that we can feel the need around and we think that just feeling it validates it. But we have to do more than just to feel the need for certain things we need to take responsibility for. Say, I'm going to take responsibility. Now, one of the reasons we're in the body of Christ and there's a variety of churches and leaders and a variety of gifts that are in this room is honestly, we can't, we can't take every need. That's humanly impossible. And so we have to rely on the body of Christ. But what I'm talking about is when you never take responsibility. It's always deferred to someone else. It's always deferred to the pastor or it's deferred to Pastor Kim, who's in charge of our compassion ministries, or the issues deferred to someone else. And there's never an ownership and there's never a responsibility. And I think the Lord is saying to you today, why don't you feed them? Why don't you volunteer? Why don't you give to that cause? You see, part of the miracle is responsibility. See, the miracle hadn't taken place yet. See, the miracle's at the end of the story. But in order for the miracle to happen, God chose to move through these men, and he chooses to move through you, and he's never going to move, according to this story, until you take responsibility and say, yeah, I'll own that. I'll do that. And part of that is saying yes to compassion in that area the Spirit's drawn you into. As a pastor I get a lot of requests from missionaries. And there is so much need out there. And if I responded to every need, it would be, it would be difficult. It would be difficult to, to really have the effectiveness God wants us to have. Most of our missions dollars here, we try to direct it towards what's called the 1040 window. It's a geographical location that goes across North Africa and the Middle East and India and China. And it's where the majority of people in the world that they've never heard the name of Jesus. And so we try to put, there, there's no rule about this, but we just try to put like 50% of our missions money into that. So I know this, if someone is is contacting me, a missionary, and, and he's doing something and he's addressing a need, but if I say yes to that, then I'm saying no to more money at the 1040 window. The other area that we try to concentrate on in our giving is church planning in Europe, where attendance is 1% or less in most of Europe now. So that's where God has drawn my, my heart to in the area of missions. And so that's where my compassion is, that I'm saying I'm trying to put action behind that sympathy. I'm going to take responsibility and say, our church, we have to do something about the unreached in the Muslim world, in the 1040 window. We have to do something about 
the, the lack of church attendance in Europe. And you own that. You own that responsibility. You can't just keep deferring that. But see, it's not always the big things. And I'm talking about this big cause, the 1040 window in Europe. But sometimes it's just the really small things. They're not small to God. They're small to us. Whatever you do for God, if you do it in the name of Jesus and he's called you to it, it's huge. It's big. But a few years ago, Beth and I were, were youth pastors at a mega church. And at the time, she was pregnant. We had a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a four-year-old, right? Close to, okay, I knew I got that wrong, but, okay, three and one. Okay, so the story's getting worse. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, she was pregnant and a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And Wednesday night was our big night. It was like the Super Bowl night for us. And Beth would help lead worship, and I was getting everything organized. And she had to drop these babies off on the other side of the campus. And no exaggeration, there was a 15-minute walk to the other side of the campus. And it was just a mess to see. No offense, honey, but you had that stroller and the babies and bags, and it was just a nightmare on wheels is what it was. And as her faithful husband, I said, you better get here early because I can't help you. So uh, that was just it. And, and one night, uh, one of the ladies in the church came to me and she said, Beth needs help, doesn't she? And I was like, yes, yeah, she does. And she uh, started doing that. She started meeting Beth before service and then helping get the kids home. And that was huge. You, you see what I'm talking about? You move from compassion. I feel so sorry for poor little Beth and those babies to responsibility. I'm going to help her. And the rest of that story, and this is a pretty cool story, that lady, her daughter ended up marrying Beth's brother. So there was a blessing in that too. Because God moves when you serve and he does good things. So taking that responsibility and saying, yeah, it's mine. But you know, you can have compassion and you can have responsibility, but there's something that is greatly undervalued in the church world. And I'm going to give you a word here in a second that for some of you, Oh, boy, it's going to repulse you when you hear this word. But it's a word that is undervalued in the church, because if we don't if we don't do what I'm going to tell you or use what I'm going to tell you. Sometimes we limit the work of God, not that we could limit God. That's impossible to limit God. But we limit his work by our choice. And here's the word organization. Organization. I, I recognize that some of you. Love organization. Some of you don't like organization. I will say this without getting too far into this is that for me, organization has been an acquired skill. And I just want to tell you, if you're not organized, you can be organized. You really can. It it can be an acquired skill. Maybe we'll talk about that on a Wednesday night sometime. I can just feel the excitement in the room. Aaron Allison's organization techniques. Here we go. Praise God. All right. But look, look at verse thirty nine. Verse 39, it says, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Miracle hasn't manifested yet. The people don't know about the miracle yet. But the miracle, according to this story, the process of it needed organization. You know, later on this summer... We're going to have for the fourth year in a row our back to school blessing. We're going to give out 
dozens and dozens, I believe last year it was two, two to three hundred, I can't remember exactly, backpacks full of school supplies that kids need. It's on the desired list that the, the Sumner County School District gives out. And this is a way in our Compassion Ministries to take the love of Jesus outside of this campus because we exist to know his love, to have great church services, but to share his love. And so our Compassion Ministries reaches out to people who may or may not come to our church. We want them here, but they don't have to. It's not a gimmick deal. It's not like, hey, come to our church and you get a backpack, but you have to suffer through our service. Uh, No, we don't do that. We go to them. We go to the Goodwill parking lot on New Shackle Island Road. Now, when you come to this event, and I hope you do, when you show up at 7 or 8 o'clock that morning and you're part of that, the event doesn't start at 7 in the morning. The event starts almost a year beforehand when people start planning for it. When Pastor Kim comes to me and says, Aaron, this is the date that I want to do the the back-to-school blessing. And it starts 10 months before when we have people in this church who go and they buy the backpacks, many of them using their own money, at its most bottom value. And they're thinking 10 months in advance And it happens because somebody is going to store managers and they're getting the best price on the type of school supplies the kids want. And it happens because somebody is getting out the map of Hendersonville. And this somebody's not me, by the way. They're getting out the map of Hendersonville and they're identifying areas that we need to canvas and they're making copies of them. And it's happening because on the Saturdays, two Saturdays before, people are going neighborhood by neighborhood, trailer park to trailer park, apartment to apartment, door by door, and they're inviting people to come receive this blessing. The miracle takes place because somebody got organized. Somebody put in the work. And somebody said, yeah, God can do anything, but he chose to move through us. And so I'm going to take my compassion and I'm going to take responsibility. But after that responsibility, I'm going to get organized. And I'm going to say, God, you give me the plan because who gave the plan? Jesus gave the plan. And Jesus will begin to speak to you how to organize your passion, how to organize what you're called to do. And whether you feel like you're good at that or, or whether you need to improve, God provides and he enables those who he calls. And he'll bring people around you to help you. And so they're organized. And let's continue with the story here. And bear with me. Let's go to, to verse 42. And here's, here's a, well, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, go to verse 41. And taking the five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he being Jesus, in verse 41, gave thanks And broke the loaves. Now look at this part. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. Look at that phrase in verse 41. He gave them, then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. Here's the next word I want you to write down. It's called action. We move from compassion to responsibility to organization. And now there's action. What would have happened... If Jesus would have prayed and blessed the food and it would have multiplied and he would have told the disciples like he did in verse 41. okay, now go hand out the food. And the disciples said, nah, that's that's I don't do that. 
I, I don't carry around baskets and pass out food. That's not my ministry. I did a spiritual gifts inventory, and um, my spiritual gift is teaching and prophecy. It doesn't say anything about baskets and, and bread and fish. Here's the truth. The work of God is work. The work of God is work. Sometimes he has provided everything the people need, and he's provided the miracle but he said, look at the fields. They're wide into harvest. Pray for harvesters to go out. Pray for workers. Pray for people who will just do what they need to do. The work of God is work. And the miracle had happened, but someone needed to distribute the miracle. Someone needed to give the miracle out. In, in the spring of 2008, Bob and Kim Driver came to my home and met with me and Beth and we were just talking about about Kim's ministry specifically. She was sharing her heart to reach the poor and her heart to reach people outside of these walls. So I asked her, I said, would you lead our compassion ministries? And since that time, completely volunteer, not being paid a dime, she has under her leadership and those who have come underneath her has created ministries outside of this church that are reaching people who may never come here. And hopefully they will, but we're taking the gospel to them. And so, Kim, part of this message is I wanted to honor you. I know you don't want honor, but I want to honor you and thank you for your work. Because as I talk to people around the nation and they ask me about our church, guess what? They don't care about my sermon series. And they don't care about what style of worship we're using. And they don't really care about our facilities. But when I start talking about reaching the poor and reaching those who would normally come to church, their hearts come alive and it reflects the kingdom of God here. Because God wants to move us as a church as he already has and he wants to move you as an individual to the miracle. That's the last thing I want you to write down, the miracle. The miracle happens. And I, I am believing God today as I have prepared for this message. I ask God that there would be some miracles that would happen here. And the miracles that are going to happen this morning, uh, we're not going to discover in the next 10 minutes before service is dismissed. It might take us five months. It might take us five years. We might not even know until the next generation. We might not even know until we're in heaven. But when the Lord begins to speak to your heart and say, and he's beginning to show you there's people you can reach, there's neighbors you can reach out to, it can happen, it can happen with a plan. You see, you know what doesn't work most of the time, what we've always done, is we live in our neighborhood and we're going to invite someone to church. And we've never once tried to learn their name and we've never once been friendly to them. But all of a sudden, because we feel guilty, we give a handout and say, will you come to my church? There's a process. Why don't we learn our neighbors' names and invite them into our homes and be likable? And then over time, when we're ready to invite them, then they're going to go to church with a friend and not feel like a project. You see what the process is? It's a, it's a process of taking responsibility and the miracles on the way and the miracle is going to happen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.